You are listening to Riverhouse Church's Sermon of the Week. We hope this talk equips and inspires you. All right, well, we're going to get going. Uh, If you can uh, actually stand up, I'm going to read a couple of verses from the Bible. We stand just to honor. This This is the highest authority that we'll hear tonight, not my words. This is Isaiah chapter 9, 6, and 7. It says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom. That's the word of the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Praise be to God. That's what you're supposed to say. So you can practice that. And next week, I'm expecting a little bit better. It's kind of weird. I think like a half the it's like the weight on this side of the room. It's like dense over here. I don't know. Maybe is that more pop? It's because you walk in that way, isn't it? All right. You guys ready? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build off last week's message. Who is here? Awesome. Man, there's a lot of you that apparently were not, so you can listen on the podcast. If you weren't here, did you listen on the podcast? That's a no. Anyways, <laughs> you know, we, we try to, we're trying to go on a progressive journey here, so uh, hopefully it makes sense. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build off of last week's message, which was on peace, and, and we're going to go deeper into it because I feel like there's a, a deeper place of knowing the heart of God that he's desiring to awaken in us and upgrade of his presence, upgrade of relationships. And I just feel like we're supposed to anchor in and really dig into the implications of what it means to live a life of peace, to be a man or a woman of peace. Uh, but especially tonight, I, I want to link the concept of spiritual authority or influence Uh, kingdom influence to uh, the gentleness of God or the tenderness of God. So we're going to go on a journey into authority and gentleness tonight. You ever heard a sermon on those two things? I've never preached one, so we'll see how it goes. Cross your fingers. (laughs) Okay. You guys think it's easy up here? Jeez. All right, so authority or influence. Uh, You know, we live in a culture that is absolutely obsessed with the idea of influence right now. Uh, Social media is a huge means where people are gaining influence, and there's this obsession around the idea of who are the influencers, right? And the reality is because of the accessibility of social media and just the technological age that we're in, there are people that are influencing us all the time. Every time we pick up our phone, we're being influenced by someone or something. It's dictating the way we dress, the things we eat, the places we travel, how we spend our, our, our vacation times, how we play, the music that we listen to, right? There's influencers. Who, who follow? You follow influencers that influence some of those things I just read. All right, the rest of you are lying then. All right, like I know, I know, okay, it's happening. Jackie's always getting recipes from Instagram, all right? Like we're, we're, 
like we're living in a world that's obsessed with influence. And influence is not a bad thing, but the thing that I find is very consistent. And even if you won't explicitly come out and say it, uh, everybody is obsessed with not just influencing, but actually the reach and the size of their influence. How big of a platform? I want a bigger platform, bigger platform, bigger platform. I literally have people be like, dude, you could make one YouTube video and it could go viral and you could be a famous preacher. And I'm like, is that like what I'm trying to like in my quiet times? God, let me go viral on YouTube so that I can be famous. Like, no, that's not what I want, just so you know. So you don't have to post it ever. <laughs> don't share it on your page. I'm glad that you're here, right? Uh, Size, 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 size. We want size. We're obsessed not just with influence, but the size of our influence. We want the bigger platform. And if you have, you know, this many followers, you could get that many followers. Size, 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 size matters. Because deep down underneath that, there is a lie being fed to culture, right? Because this is the truth. that The obsession with size is not just in culture. It's in the church, too. You want to see a church that's really influencing the world? They must be big. It has to, you have to at least be a 2,000-person church to really be influencing a city. No, that's not true. That's not even biblical, right? God's not really, God doesn't really care about crowds. God cares about disciples. Disciples are who change the world. It's not the size of the crowd, right? But size, size, size. This is the culture we live in. We want size because deep down underneath that, more size means you're more significant. So there's this obsession with influence, this obsession with size, and uh, this trying to get more and trying to grow. And this is in the church. This is in Christianity. But it is a lie. More size. The size of your platform, the size of your following has nothing to do with your personal significance. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do. God just uses different people in different ways, but God wants to multiply your life, but we're obsessed with the external measures, with the things that we can, that, that we can do. We, can, we want size, and when we believe this lie, we will inevitably start focusing on size instead of the Spirit of God. And now I'm speaking to the church tonight, right? Like the world, they're, they're gonna be obsessed with size because the world is full of insecurity and they're trying to find identity in the things that they do. The church should not be like this. The church should not be obsessed with size of our platform and the size of our influence. We should be focused on the spirit. But if we believe the lie that the bigger my external measure, my external influence, the measurables are, the more significant I become, I will start focusing on size. And when I start focusing on size, it it will bring lots of opportunities for me to compromise my convictions, compromise who I really am, not overtly, but in little tiny degree deviations from who I really am. Right? And we will start just kind of, uh, basically, we get watered down. If we go down that track, we end up start sacrificing and compromising our convictions, who we really are, who God's called us to be on the altar of political favor for our followers. No, I need to do it for the sake of my followers. And then you end up becoming a puppet to public opinion and the question could be asked, who's really influencing who? That's why leadership, there is a deficiency of leadership in our nation. This is why Washington DC isn't making any changes because to get influence in DC, you've become a puppet of, political, of public opinion. You've lost your conviction. And I'm not some anti-politic, anti-DC dude. That's not my heart. But I'm saying 
The pathway to significance is not to focus on size and seek after the cultural idol to try to prove to myself my significance because we forfeit our significance and we forfeit true influence on that pathway. That is why self-promotion is not good. It waters us down in the process of attaining the idol of size and platform, right? But we're living in a world that's obsessed with influence, right? And if we look at Jesus, we see a different way because Jesus had the size, he had the crowds, he had, you know, everything that they would say, at least from like a Western Christian perspective, would make you a really successful pastor. But Jesus showed that he was never really wooed or enamored with crowds. He was 100% dedicated to discipleship and multiplying himself in his followers. And on, to, to ensure successful discipleship would take place, he was willing to offend public opinion. He was willing to uh, lose followers. He was willing to be misunderstood. Read John 6 if you need a reference point. He, he was willing to do this, not because he wanted to, you know, he didn't want people to leave him and, and stop following him, but this happened a lot. But it was because he was committed to discipleship and he came to be Lord, right? Jesus does not just want to influence the foods you eat or the music you listen to or the way you speak or the way you dress. He wants to influence every single aspect of your life. He's the ultimate influencer. But he had absolute conviction to who he was called to be and what he was called to do. He, he, he was receiving direction from the Spirit and he was doing what he was instructed to do by the leadership of his father. And he's the greatest influencer that this world has ever seen. And he lost a lot of followers. So I would just suggest that to influence the way that Jesus influences is gonna have to be a shift from the way the world. The world is obsessed with influence. The church should also be obsessed with influence from a but from a very different perspective. Does this make sense? Right, Jesus wants complete influence over our life. Right, following Jesus is designed by him to actually influence everything you do, the way you spend your money, the way you spend your time, the thoughts, the intentions of your heart, everything about your life should demonstrate to the world that it has been affected by the leadership of this man, Jesus Christ. That is what it means to be a disciple, a learner, a follower of Jesus Christ. So Christians, we should be obsessed with influence, but it should not be on the size of our platform. It should be to the depth and degree that we've allowed Jesus to influence us. How moldable am I? How impressionable is my heart? That's what we should be obsessed with. Not the size of my social media platform. Not the size of our ministries. Not the size of what we can measure on the outside. We should just be consumed with how much have I allowed you to influence me and exercise authority over my life. Because he is the greatest leader that has ever lived and walked on planet earth. So we should be obsessed with influence but it should be a, his influence exercised in our life, right? And that is why I wanna link this tonight to gentleness. Where does that come from? I don't know. I wanna link influence to gentleness, right? Another word for gentleness would be tenderness, right? The tenderness of God. Tender heart before God and man, actually. 
right? And, and I want to focus, I just want to make this before I really dive into this tonight, right? There is paradox in, in, in scripture and in truth. We're to be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Tonight, it's a dove message, talking about gentleness, talking about innocence. But, you know, in any paradox, and this one included, we have to find, right, because paradox has these, these seemingly contradicting ideas within the same truth. How do you be shrewd and innocent like a dove at the same time? Right, you have to understand the priority to unlock the paradox. And in this, the priority is clearly you have to be innocent before you can know shrewd. Right? You, can't, you can't be wise and discerning and hard to the world until you have a softness within. So yes, there's an other side of the message I'm gonna speak tonight that, so don't interpret this in ways and apply this in ways that it's not intended to apply. I'm talking about how do we cultivate a life of gentleness, this innocence, this childlikeness as it pertains to our relationship with God. Does that make sense? Right, we have to understand the gentleness of God because once we know his gentleness, it will actually make us gentle. So I read these scriptures in Isaiah uh, about the government resting upon Jesus, right? It says the government, which another word for the government would be the authority. So the authority will rest, say rest. Rest on his shoulders and of the increase of that authority and of that peace, there'll be no end. Then you fast forward to John 1 verse 32 and John the Baptist says, I looked and I saw the spirit descending as a dove and resting upon Jesus. Right? This was the moment when the authority of God came upon Jesus and he manifested him to Israel. So just catch this. The authority, right, the kingdom, the government will rest on Jesus and the increase of that will be no end. And John describes what that actually looked like. The spirit came as a dove, and the dove is a symbol of, are you following me here? So authority came from heaven in the form of peace, and it rested upon Jesus, right? So, so authority, spiritual authority from heaven comes in the form of peace that rests upon individuals. And God, like Jesus, he found a man of peace. He's actually looking for men and women of peace to rest upon. In Luke chapter 10, verse six, Jesus is giving his missionary strategy to his disciples. And he says, okay, I want you to go out, you know, preach, lay your hands on the sick. But he says, I want you to go into people's homes and, say, and, and bless them and say, peace be upon you. And he says this, if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. God is looking, right? He, he's wanting to give authority, but it comes as a dove that rests, and he's looking for vessels of peace, men and women of peace that his peace can rest upon. Are you following me here? It's like a two-sided peace transaction. God really cares about peace, right? God gives authority as peace on vessels of peace that have prepared themselves to receive and so that it can rest upon them, right? This is important. Why? Why is peace so woven into this? It, it's woven in because peace, as I preached last week, makes us vulnerable to the whisper of God. Makes us vulnerable. It creates an inner tranquility that we can actually be impressed upon by a whisper. And God's primary form of communication and the way he exercises his authority is through whispers. He whispers. 
The fact that God likes to whisper tells us a lot about him and his kingdom. He does not exercise force or manipulation on people. He's not harsh. He's not overbearing. He's not, he's not exuberant and manifest. He's gentle and he's tender and he whispers. And the Beatitudes scholars will tell you that Jesus is actually disclosing to us what his heart is like. He says, blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus says, a bruised reed I will not break. And he's speaking of an abused, oppressed humanity, that he's coming as the holy king of heaven. They say, don't worry, I am gentle. Jesus is gentle. The Father is gentle. He exercises authority through whisper. Right? So peace makes us vulnerable to his whisper. And the whisper of God is what tenderizes our hearts. You know how meat gets tenderizes? Whack, 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 whack. He's a lot softer. Anybody just an altar call to come get tenderized tonight? <laughs> we actually equipped the prayer team with the little mallets. Just gonna, seven or eight knocks. Right? I guess that was funny. So what is gentleness? Gentleness is authority expressed through peace. Whisper. It's what Jesus' leadership feels like. Gentleness is not soft in the sense that it, you know, it's like, oh, that's weak or puny. It is tender and it is gentle, but it is a powerful force that tenderizes us. And as he whispers again and 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 again. And again, he tenderizes and tenderizes and tenderizes because we learn what his leadership feels like. We learn what his influence feels like. And it so tenderizes us that we actually learn what it means to influence from a kingdom perspective and not from the brokenness of our world. Peace makes us vulnerable to his whisper, and that whisper of gentleness tenderizes our hearts and makes us gentle, like he is gentle. It says in the Proverbs that a rebuke will go deeper into a man of understanding than a thousand lashes into the back of a fool. God wants to produce a tenderness inside of our hearts where his whisper goes so deep. So deep. And that whisper gives life. It changes us. It moves us, right? He just, he just has to whisper. Right? Whisper also tells us that he's a God of intimacy. When someone whispers, you're whispering so that only one person can hear it. He's jealous for you. I want to lead you. I want to speak intimately to your soul. Right? But he makes us gentle. He tenderizes us. 
because once we have felt and experienced the exercising of his authority on our lives, we are then positioned to represent it to the world and exercise authority the way that he does. Of the increase of his government, of his authority and peace, there will be no end. God is looking for men and women of peace that are vulnerable to the whisper that his authority, his peace can rest upon, right? He wants to grow us in peace. That's our job so that he can then entrust his authority to us because Jesus didn't come around with his authority leaving a trail of woundedness behind him, right? People felt loved, people felt seen, people were known, right? He had no problem, no problem changing the world, but he is gentle. And the Father is gentle, and it is his kindness that leads us to repentance, you know? So there's a bit of an awkward transition from exercising in the world's authority to then exercising it in the way that Jesus modeled in the way of the kingdom. It's just different. And it can be awkward because it can look the same on the outside. You know what I'm talking about? Like, there's influencers in the kingdom. We know they're influencers. And then there's influencers in the culture. You know, you know what I'm talking about? You're like, okay, I see there's a multiplicative, multiplicative effect of their life. Like, they are influencers, right? But, but if you actually get down into the heart of it, someone that has made their life's pursuit to become influenceable, you can recognize the fruit of their influence because it's different. Their influence is different than people who are influencing from culture standpoint, right? And you often will know this, but when you speak from the mind, you speak to people's minds. When you speak from the heart, you speak to people's hearts, right? Jesus can penetrate to a depth of you and I because he speaks from a depth that knows us and sees us and knows every hair on our head. Jesus, right, as we are known by him, as we become so tender, right, and he goes so deep with that whisper, right, the influence that we begin to exercise, the authority that will come out of us, the gentleness, right, actually will go and impress into the very depths of people's souls, right, because what we're after as Christians, I don't really care to influence the way people dress, just being honest with you. Like, maybe a little modest is hottest, you know, but nothing more than that. That, that was a spontaneous joke, so just so you know, if you're like, that was bad, at least I didn't plan it all week, you know? Okay, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't really care about the temporal things that are passing. I want to influence people for eternity. I want to influence in a way that my life impacts their, their legacy and the way that they live and it impacts eternity so that one day I get into heaven and I look and see there is eternal, there, 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 there's fruitfulness that abides into eternity, right? That's what we're all longing for. That's, that's what everyone's really searching for when they're searching for influence, which means we can't just, like culture loves to celebrate things that really don't matter and that we really won't care about a few years from now. Like who won the Super Bowl six years ago? Yeah, you don't even know, right? But that's who culture celebrates. God, Jesus isn't that concerned with the temporal. He's concerned with the eternal, right? And if we wanna influence people for eternity, we have to influence people's hearts. 
Right? So yeah, it might look the same on the outside as far as, wow, you know, there's people that are influenced for the kingdom, they have huge platforms. There's people that are influencing the culture, they have big platforms. I just want a big platform. No, it's not, it's not like that. And if you actually get down into the difference of kingdom authority versus the influence of the world, it's very different. The way of the world, it's outside in, outside in, kingdom is inside out. And that has a, a lot of implications Right, because post-surrender, right, when you really surrender and you let God under the hood of what's motivating all your actions, you know what I'm talking about? Right, his loving gaze, right, his tender affection starts smiling on everything under that hood. And anything that is of the ego or the self-nature or the flesh just starts cringing. And that engine has a shutdown. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, all of a sudden I'm trying to do things, but I'm like, like the thing that used to push me, like can't, does not, it's not going anymore. You know what I'm talking about? You like put the car in drive and it's like, I just, I just can't go. I just can't go, right? Because as soon as you surrender and you say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord, he starts revealing the thoughts and the intentions of your heart, right? Well, this is what it looked like in my life, right? I spent a decade of my life trying to be a professional athlete in, in golf. And you know why? I just like, I could just kind of, I had a nice little verse that I painted on the hood of the car that said, when I get rich and famous, I'll use it for God's glory. I'm good, Right, when the hood got opened up, it was like, oh, whoa, insecurity, idolatry, so much brokenness and darkness all underneath that hood that was shiny and painted and said, for God's glory. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a workaholic for my kids' sake. I wanna give them a good life. No, that's just paint on the hood. Oh, no, 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 I wanna get, I wanna be rich and I know I'm kind of cutthroat in the way I do business, but it's because I can tithe to the church. No, that's just pain on the hood. Right, we like, right, post-surrender, these little superficial spiritual justifications for all the junk and brokenness that's actually driving our lives, boom, hood pops up. And all of those mechanisms don't work anymore. And so I just wanna encourage some of you, cause you're gonna be experiencing this soon. The breakdown is good. <laughs> Right? There's a breakdown before a breakthrough. Right? And it's like, it's difficult, and you feel like, I don't even know how to do anything now. I don't know how to, I don't even know how to function. This is so humbling. I feel so childlike. That's the point. That's the point. That's the point. You'll always stay dependent. You don't know what you're doing. You're childlike. People are like, man, how, how have you led? Give me, what, what's your secret? River House. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I'm not lying to you. It's not easy, it's not comfortable. It's like, what do we do now? Seriously, I thought it would be like comfortable. Oh, no, just, what do we do now, Lord? I feel like a little kid all the time. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, it's easy from the outside. We look at things like, oh, you know, India, and God's doing these amazing things. I, half the time I'm like, what are we doing, Lord? Like, is this even working? Is any of it, like, you don't know. You never really grow up and you feel like you got it all figured out. That is a mechanism of the world. That is not, like, it's, right, there's this childlike innocence, gentleness, tenderness that you're like, I just, I just know I, I need you and I love you and you love me. 
right? So let yourself just break down because it's your breakdown that will lead to the breakthrough. And give Jesus permission to get under the hood of your life and figure out what engine is actually driving all of your behaviors, right? This is what part of becoming a person of peace. And this is, this is the last word I wanna leave with you is you have to learn, we have to learn to find peace in the middle, right? In the middle of the vulnerability, in the middle of the transition, in the middle of the crisis, in the middle of the unknown, in the middle of, in the middle. It's always in the middle. We are in the middle this whole life. It never stops. We are aliens and sojourners. Sojourners. We're sojourners. All right, we're sojourners in a foreign land, and it's gonna be in the middle the whole time. Right, we see the start, we see the end, we are in the middle. We have to learn to find peace in the middle. Right, and the breakdown and why the engine doesn't stop working. I don't know how to, oh, am I losing significance? All the things, I'm insecure, where's my spot? Right, Every, like all this stuff. Is part of God taking you down deep, right? I said last week, any place that anxiety or fear lives, it's revealing there's a still a fracture in your identity where you don't know who you are. And the breakdown and the turbulence, God's saying, come in, come in. Happiness, joy, peace, significance, inside jobs. Those are inside jobs. And Jesus wants to help you with those jobs. But he's on the inside. And you have to follow him on a journey. You have to invest time to figure out who you really are. Your soul is far more expansive, far more intuitive, far more brilliant than you realize. God created you with a world inside of you and it's where he lives and Jesus wants to be the guide to take you on a journey to show you who you really are and explore new lands, right? There's this cultural buzz, everyone wants to go travel the world and I think that that thirst to go travel and push out. It's, it's, it's congruent with the same thirst that the humans are longing, who am I? I'm longing to find there's something more within me. There is, there is, but you have to stop. You gotta sit in all of this. You gotta just allow the breakdown and you gotta fight for peace so that you can get that whisper because he will lead you on a journey that will fulfill you in ways that nothing else in this life can. Inside jobs, and Jesus really does wanna help you with this one. He wants to help you find peace in the middle because his peace is for you right now in the middle of the journey, right? And if we will follow Jesus on that journey, if we will if we'll take this to heart, and if we'll go in, if we'll open up the hood, it will be work, it will be difficult, it may be disturbing, you may have some breakdowns, you may not go places as fast as you would have liked to, but you will find his whisper and that will tenderize your heart and it will change you and you'll know him and he can entrust things. To, you know, there's just so many consequences all along the journey that are so good if we do it his way, amen? amen. So I'm gonna just, uh, I'm gonna have you stand. This is how I wanna close tonight. Um, there's actually a few, uh, I don't know, we can put the lights, whatever ministry lights would be, but, uh, I don't even know, you know, it's like, is it light, dark? We'll figure it out. Um, there, there's, I, I wanna pray for everyone, but there's a couple groups in particular that I just felt like the Lord wanted us to minister to. Um, prayer team, you can come forward. I don't know, Jordan, if you wanna play someone on the keys or guitar or something, but uh, there's two groups in particular I felt the Lord just really wanted to, to minister tonight. And the first is 
um, when I, I shared that verse about, you know, a bruised reed, uh, he will not break. And I just felt like some of you, uh, you, you have a bruised heart right now and that the gentleness of your father wants to touch you and wants to meet you. And we would just love to pray with you if that's you. Uh, and, and then the second, and I'm gonna invite these two groups to come forward, then I'm gonna pray a blessing and then, and then give the invitation. But the second is, uh, I was in prayer this week and I, I saw um, like uh, the, the bedroom uh, as like a place of peace and rest that is actually under assault um, for some people here. And I felt that in a couple senses. Um, one, just like you're sleepless, you're, there's just anxiety, and that that is a season of intimacy, like that's a place of intimacy with God, that he actually wants to meet you. But then I saw as I was in prayer, I saw people with phones and with TVs and computers, and it was like technology was a, a, like an intruder into a sacred place. And I felt like it wasn't just for married couples, this was for singles and, and marrieds where um, we need to be intentional with that space. And I felt like God is actually inviting. There's been a lot of attack for people, like maybe there's been fights in your marriage in bed at night. And I just felt like God saying, I want, like that is a space that I want to commune with you and I want to fill you with rest and fill you with peace. And so I just felt like there was breakthrough tonight and God actually wants to establish a canopy uh, uh, protection uh, over uh, your bedroom. And I know that sounds kind of like weird, but that's just what came in prayer and it just keeps coming on my heart. And so if that's something you need, this is serious. Um, God wants to speak and his whisper is known to us in the night season. We see that all throughout the scriptures. That is a place. And so um, if technology has an unrightful place in that, I would just encourage you to look at that. But God wants to invite you. So uh, everyone close your eyes. If, if you're part of those two groups and you want to come forward, you can come forward for prayer. Um, but I just, God, lift up every single person in this room. God, and I just ask right now that your peace and your tenderness will just fill this place, God. That the whisper of heaven will, will come and be known to every son and every daughter. God, I speak peace over every anxious heart, over every anxious mind. God, over every person that's in a process of a breakdown, I speak peace in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, that peace and joy and significance are inside jobs and that you are drawing us in on a journey with you, Lord. And we just invite your presence and your peace and your clarity and your conviction to rest upon us and that your gentleness will come and you will exercise your leadership. You will influence us in the paths of righteousness, in the paths of peace, God, and that you will tenderize us. I just feel some of you just need to say, God, you know that there's been a hard-heartedness in you. I just wanna put your hands on your heart and say, God, make me soft. Make me soft, Father. Make me gentle and make me tender like you are. Just come tenderize my heart with your whisper again and again and again and again. Some of you just need to say, Father, I expose my heart to you tonight. I just, I just make my heart open before you, Jesus. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And I ask that you come tenderize me you make me gentle like you are gentle. God, we wanna be a people who influence our world. We wanna be obsessed with how much influence we've given you. And so tonight, God, we give you more. We yield our hearts. Our hearts are an open space for you to come and have your way. God, our hearts 
are an open space for you to come and have your way, oh God. May that be true in this church. May that be true in us, we pray, oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Riverhouse Podcast. For more information, visit riverhouseministries.com.